0: Again, my name is Jim Berge. Uh, we attend Grace Free Lutheran Church up in Maple Grove, and we live uh, very close to the church. Um, we know Anne before, um being under uh, Pastor Peter Franz, is preaching every Sunday. Um, but thanks for having me. Um, this morning, I have the privilege of talking about adoption. And adoption is such a beautiful thing. The adoption that we're familiar with is typically involving a baby or an infant, or at least a minor, and one or two adults. The baby or the child, they really don't bring anything to the arrangement. You know, they're they're usually cute, you know, but that's all they bring. You know, the adults do all the work. The child comes as the needy one, needing support, needing guidance, needing everything. But it's such a beautiful thing when we see parents and their adopted kids together. So how does that fit with the message this morning? Well, the scripture this, message, the scripture this morning is taken from the first seven verses of Galatians 4, and we've heard a portion of that already. And Paul uses adoption to show us what God thinks of us. And I would like to read that this morning, but starting with the last few verses in chapter three, and it puts some of those verses in chapter four into context. Would you please stand with me as we read God's words, read and hear God's word together? And I am going to start with um, verse 23 from Galatians chapter three. Now before faith came, we were held captive There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. And continuing in Galatians 4 with verse 1, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were... Children were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his sons into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, these are your words. We know that your word is truth. Help us to rightly understand it. Help us to apply it to our lives this morning. We ask that you would sanctify us in your truth. In your son Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated. So, have you ever have you ever thought of yourself as adopted, and what it would be like to be adopted? Um, after listening to the scripture this morning, calling us sons, and when I say sons, the the other um, scripture, the earlier scripture in Galatians three. It says we are all one in Christ. Male and female, Jews, Greeks, this sons applies to all of us. So after listening to that scripture, calling us sons, encouraging us to cry out to God as daddy, our father, we can do that because we are adopted. Isn't it great to be adopted? Is this an Amen Church? <laughs> can, I, can I get an Amen? It's great to be adopted. Amen. Now I'm going to make a mistake uh, in presenting the message and I have five points that I believe we can take out of this portion of scripture around the theme of adoption and those points are actually listed in the inside of your bulletin and they might be on the screen I am not sure But those points are our adoption is intentional, it's undeserved, it's needed, it's costly, and our adoption needs to be accepted, lived, shared, and celebrated. Now the mistake is, um, as my wife Gwen said, that now you know the answers to the test. but I'm going to ask you that you don't leave quite yet because I don't know that my pride could handle that. But have you ever wondered why some scripture passages are so hard to understand? And you read that passage and you read that passage and you read that passage and you meditate on it and you can't figure it out. Why did God put this in the scripture? And why is this piece of scripture for me? And then there's other passages like the parables that Jesus taught, using sheep and coins as examples, and here talking about adoption. Why are some passages so straightforward, so simple? And I think there's only one reason for that, and I'm going to say it right now. You're welcome. It's because of people like me that I am not the sharpest tool in the shed. But I can understand this. I can understand when God's word says, you are the last coin. You are the last sheep. I want you. I love you. I can understand that. I believe God wants to be clear, crystal clear, and have us be crystal clear about a few things. He loves us. He wants us. And he doesn't want even someone like me to ever question or not understand how much he loves me. And when we read parables like the lost sheep, the lost coin, the prodigal son, I can confidently say, here is a father that loves me. The first point, our adoption is intentional. Um, The scripture this morning talks about God sending his son to redeem us. And the Bible is full of God intentionally searching for us. The other scripture read um, this morning of two of Jesus' parable. One is regarding a lost coin. One is the lost sheep. Um, If I have 100 sheep and I lose one, am I content with 99? Um, No. I want that. I want that one. If I have 10 coins and I lose one, am I content with nine? Is nine enough? Nine's not enough. Neither is God content to just one. I'm searching for one. And that one has been me. The one's been you. God is not content to let one be lost that can be saved. He has intentionally looked for lost children that he can adopt. And... Uh, do any of you know Joel and Chris Rasmussen? Um, they're uh, a, I call them a young couple. That, that means they're younger than me. Um, they uh, have adopted uh, a little boy, Ezra. Um, it's probably been over a year now, but, but their adoption is, is fresh in my mind because we've been praying for Ezra. Ezra been, has been having some health issues uh, lately. Um, and I have their permission to use them as an illustration, so I'm going to. Um, but Ezra, um, he didn't show up at Joel and Chris's one day. Um, they weren't sitting on the couch and the doorbell rings on a Saturday and, and Joel didn't go to the door and and when the doorbell rings and, and opens it up and there's nobody there, but he notices the basket. And he looks down and there's a baby in it. And he didn't say, you know, Chris, someone left us a baby. Can we keep it? You know, it didn't happen that way. Um, I'm sure they would have liked it to happen that way, but it didn't happen that way. They searched, and it was a long process to find the child that they got adopted. They were looking for a child that they could adopt, and our Heavenly Father, he searches for us. We are the one sheep. We are the lost coin. He wants to adopt us. His adoption is intentional. It's also undeserved. You know, there isn't anything that should make God want us. We have the same nature as Adam. God's word is full of reasons why nobody should want us. Jeremiah 17.9 says our heart is deceitful. You know, we are called sheep all over in the scripture. I don't know if any of you are familiar with sheep. Sheep are miserable creatures. They are. You know, I grew up on a wheat and cattle ranch in north central Ro- Oregon, and, and we didn't have sheep, we had cattle, but I was in FFA and 4-H, and we had neighbors that had sheep, and, and so I would help work sheep every once in a while, and and every time we were done working the sheep, I was glad that we had cattle and not sheep. But sheep, um, what do they do? They wander off. Sheep are fearful. Sheep can't take care of themselves. Sheep pick on each other. There's a pecking order in the sheep. And yet, and, and, and we're the sheep, and yet God wants us. Plus, we are under the law, and that's what it's talking about in the first three verses of Galatians 4, where it's saying, I mean that the heir, as long as he a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. Under the law. You think it's curious that God chooses adoption to get his point across about how much he loves us? I think most of us probably understand the term adoption, but we understand it in reference to babies or young children being adopted? Why isn't some nice couple looking for me? Why isn't some nice couple want to adopt me? And it's not because I'm, I'm, I'm not cute, because I am. It's because as adults, it's assumed that you have learned the skills to take care of yourself. It's assumed that you can handle all the mess and dysfunction that comes your way. And the problem, we find ourselves like sheep. We are part of the cause or the reason of the mess and dysfunction. The notion that God wants us for his own, it doesn't make sense. I know I can't earn God's favor. I can't buy God's favor. I can't buy my adoption. I can't earn my adoption. But I know that my adoption is undeserved. I also know that my adoption is absolutely needed. How do we get to that point, that point where we recognize our need, recognize our inability to go it alone, recognize that we can't do it? It's a humbling experience. Do you know what it's like to be humble? Really? Do you know what it's like to be humble? If, if you want a lesson in humbleness, um, I can offer some classes after the service, because um, I'm probably the humblest guy I know. And if there was an award for humbleness, I'd win it every time. Now, you wouldn't think, after watching my body just walk up here, that I would not have a problem with pride, but I do. I, like doing, I like, still like to try and do things myself, struggle as it might be. It drives my family a little crazy that uh, I don't ask for help, and I try to do things myself. But driving my family crazy, that's one of the things I do best. So I still do it. But there are plenty of things that I can't do by myself anymore. I need to ask for help. I like that Paul is bringing his legal mind and Roman experience here to this passage and the legal terms that he uses of owner, heir, manager, guardian. I believe he is also bringing his thoughts of Roman adoption here. And what I found at looking at various commentaries that Roman adoption was a legal practice in Roman times. And if you were adopted by a Roman citizen You were a Roman citizen. Your past really didn't matter anymore. As an adopted child of God, you are no longer an orphan. You have a family. You have a father. You are an heir. But we need to get to that point where not only can't we do it ourselves, we can't stay where we are. We need help. We need to recognize the true state of affairs and call for help. And as adopted children, we can cry out as Jesus cried out, Abba, Father. Jesus is the only answer for that inability to get there on our own. I'm not sure how accurate this analogy is, But the scripture this morning tells us that God sent his son to redeem us and then so we could be adopted heirs as children. And I see this as being tried in a court. I have been caught in a crime. I have been to court. The jury has found me guilty and I am standing before the judge waiting to hear my sentence. The judge reads off my crimes and he states, Jim, you have been found guilty. But then he says the unthinkable. The judge says, my son, my son paid your debt. What a weight is lifted. I deserve the penalty for my crimes and now my debt is paid. Can it get any better? It can. It does. Because the judge then says, we would like to adopt you. If you are willing, we'd like to make you part of a family. What kind of a judge is this? It's a judge that loves us. Alistair Begg, has a, ser- a sermon on the thief on the cross that that you should really hear. It, it's it's worth uh, it's worth just these five minutes or so of this. Uh, if you go on YouTube, search Alistair Begg, thief on the cross. Um, his accent is just so fun to listen to, and he just does such a good job. But but it's 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 when the thief on the cross gets to heaven and he's met by a couple individuals asking him questions about you know, how he got there, why is he there, um, and they start asking him questions and then things like, uh, can you recite the Apostles' Creed? And, and if after you recite it, can you answer the questions, you know, what does this mean? You know, and, and the thief says, never heard of it, and I certainly don't know what it means. And the other friend says, well, can you tell us about the sacraments? What do you think about the sacraments? And he goes, I don't know what the sacraments are. I've never heard of them. And they're they're just getting frustrated. And they say, well, maybe you could just tell us. You can just tell us how you got here. And the thief says, I don't know anything about the Apostles' Creed or what it means. I said, I don't know anything about the sacraments. But the man on that middle cross, he said I could come. He said I could come. That's the love of a father that he has for us. And like the thief on the cross, we need to recognize that our, de- that our adoption is desperately needed. So it's intentional, undeserved, needed, and it is costly. Getting back to the Rasmussen family, was it inexpensive for them to adopt Ezra? Nope. Is it inexpensive to raise a child today? It isn't. Does it make financial sense to have children? The tax deduction is not worth it. It doesn't make financial sense. The average cost of raising a child in the United States, and this is just to get them to um, 17, 18 years old, it's around $300,000. Know, is that a good investment? Every parent would say yes. How does that make sense? It makes sense because of love. Does love ever make sense? Not usually. What are we willing to pay? What are we willing to give up for those we love? a lot and that is the only way it makes sense to me the only explanation of how God's great love the only explanation for it is God's great love for me and you and John 3.16 that most famous of of Bible verses I think can be boiled down to uh, just five words God loved so God gave God loved So God gave, and he gave such a costly gift because he loves us so much. We know that he loves us, he's intentional in his love. We know that we are undeserving of his love and adoption. We know it's needed. We know it's costly. So what do we do with that? What do we do with the offer of adoption? The logical answer is we accept the offer. We believe what his son has done for us on the cross and say, I believe. I claim the blood of Jesus to wash me clean and I praise God for his adoption of me. How do we live like we're adopted? We quit acting like a slave or someone who is outside of the family and we cry out, Abba, Father. You know, the phrase Abba is used two other times in the New Testament, other than here in Galatians. Once is in Romans 8, where we're commanded to cry out as adopted sons, Abba, Father. And the other reference in in the New Testament is in Mark 14, 36. In Mark 14, 36, and this is Jesus saying... And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. This verse is not only appropriate because Jesus is using the phrase Abba, Father, but also this is when Jesus is in the garden. Right before he goes to the cross for you and for me. And he paid that costly price to redeem you and I. We live like we are adopted when our first cry is to our Heavenly Father. And Luther has a great quote on this phrase. The quote is, Let the law, sin, and the devil cry out against us until their outcry fills heaven and earth. The Spirit of God outcries them all. Our feeble groans, Abba, Father, will be heard of God sooner than the combined racket of hell, sin, and the law. Isn't that a great saying? Our small, worthless, feeble cry, Abba, Father, is what he wants to hear and what he will hear. And we share our adoption when we can remind ourselves and tell others about our adoption. You know, I, I'm sure you're all familiar with John Newton, the, the author of the famous hymn, Amazing Grace. Um, he was five, or yeah, I believe it was five, when he lost his mother. He, when he was 11 years old, big strapping young man of 11 years old, he went to sea. Uh, he eventually became a captain of uh, a slave ship and was involved in that horrible um, crime against humanity, the um, enslavement of, of humans. And in 1748, his ship was in danger of sinking off the coast of Nova Scotia. And he cried out to God for mercy. And he found it. And he never forgot how amazing it was that God had received him, as bad as he was, And to keep it fresh in his memory, he fashioned across the wall, over the fireplace mantle of his study, the words of Deuteronomy 15.15. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. If we keep fresh in our minds what we once were and what we are now, In Jesus Christ, we can't help but share our adoption story. And finally, we celebrate our adoption. We celebrate when there is a new adoption. We celebrate because the family just got a little bit bigger. How do we celebrate? We praise Him together as adopted children. We come together in this place, like we're doing now. We magnify him as we praise him. We celebrate him and and praise him when we come together for Bible studies and when we encourage one another to do good works. We praise him for all that he has done and continues to do in in each of our lives and we celebrate his great love for each one of us. As we close this morning, I'd like to, to close by joining together as adopted children in praying the Lord's Prayer. And my sister Gail and her husband Peter Gunderson, when they lived in Brush Prairie, um, the church they attended, their pastor was a native Hawaiian, and he never called it the Lord's Prayer. He always called it the family prayer. Um, and Jesus is is inviting us to pray to our Father. And he is saying... My Father, your Father, our Father. Family prayer. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses